0: Welcome. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being here. We all have so many challenges in our lives that we uh, know maybe need to be addressed. But often we think, "Ah, I don't think I'm going to address that. I'm not even sure how to address it. I'm not even sure what to do about it or it's been an issue for so long. I think that I'll just um, keep with the status quo. Just keep doing what I do in the way that I do it. Um, and um, it is so refreshing when you know that we all get in those kind of cycles in our life. It's so refreshing to meet uh, the people who have taken advantage of the programs at Life Changing Services because they, they kind of get through that space that our human experience stops us at. And the adversary tries to hook us in that spot and make us feel like keeping it in the dark is so much easier. It's so much better for your health if you just keep that quiet. Um, It's just amazing to associate with such beautiful people who have blessed my life so much. And one of those people is here, peoples, one of those peoples is here with me today. Um, a gentleman who um, I consider to be such a good man. Uh, this is Spencer. He has been participating in our Sons of Healing program, right, Spencer? Yep. Okay. And um, anyway, he and I got to know each other on a personal level because. I was auditing the mentor certification class and I just really loved doing that because I met so many wonderful men that were becoming personal warrior trainers or men of our mentors. And Spencer was in that class and it was just awesome because there's a level of um, understanding that you start getting with the team, and we just had a really neat spirit there, and so I'm going to turn the time over to Spencer, but yeah, tell us a little bit about Spencer. What have you been doing since I haven't talked to you since we used to hang out every week, and yeah, what have you been up to?
1: Great, yeah. Um, First off, that class really was amazing. It was such an honor to learn from everybody in that class, and I I'm so grateful for that. Um, since then, um, I've started another semester of college. I'm currently at BYU, um, working and taking classes at the same time. Uh, there was a brief little stint when I had the quarantine because I had the coronavirus.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, that wasn't wasn't the best experience, oh. but made it through that. I'm still alive. Um, definitely put me behind on a few classes. and so kind of struggling to catch up with that, but life is good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of a lot of difficulties with this time in the world, this time of life for a lot of people. Uh, and I'm happy to be going through it and be able to be there for other people as we journey through this pandemic world.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm not, I'm not glad that you, that you have had COVID. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just glad that you brought up that, that you've experienced that because I think everybody in the podcast world would be like, how dare you not ask him what his experience was like with COVID because some of us know people, one, two, or none, like that have contracted COVID. Um, But the whole question behind it is, oh, wow, did you almost die? Or did you even know you had it? Like there's such a spectrum. And so I'm going to ask you, what was your experience like with with getting COVID?
1: Yeah, of course. I started to feel sick a little bit on a Friday. Um, I thought it was just kind of maybe lack of sleep because that happens in college um, and so I tried working through some things but it, it like the the headache and the muscle aches kind of started getting worse so I went home I took a nap and when I woke up unfortunately it had not gotten better um, and I thought okay like maybe I'm sick but maybe tomorrow I'll feel better and the next day on Saturday, I still just felt terrible. So then I figured, yeah, I probably, I probably have contracted the Rona, and so. Mon that Monday I got tested, and I got results back on the Wednesday. But by Wednesday, I was kind of starting to feel better. Like through the through the whole weekend, from the Friday through Tuesday, um, now I had all the range of symptoms of everything that's listed. The only thing I didn't experience was I could still taste and smell. So I guess like it could have been worse, but no, I had nausea, lightheaded, cough, fever, muscle ache, headache. It was, it was a ride. Um, But I would say even after I got better, one of the kind of really hard parts of this, of the story uh, was that I had to continue to quarantine and isolate Um, because I live on campus. I was given a private room so that I wouldn't infect the people that are in my same hallway in the dorm. So that that makes sense, but it makes it really hard for somebody who is struggling to overcome sexual urges or habits that we talk about and treat in life-changing services. It's really hard when you put them in a place where they have no connection. Um, There's no one to talk to for a week and a half, except virtually. And like a virtual experience is great and like they they do help to a degree, but um, it doesn't provide kind of the exact same level of connection with other people. Totally.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that, what COVID was like. And also, even more than that, thanks for sharing that, yeah, sometimes the situations of our lives just require us to do things that actually um, make what we are already struggling with more of a struggle. Right? Yeah. Um, Not, and, and it isn't because we are seeking out more of a struggle. It's just just our experience in mortality sometimes just gets, you know, highs and lows and stop and start and wait. And uh, like you mentioned, right? Like you're quarantined, you're in an isolated room by yourself. And you probably had other rules like, um, make sure you're doing this if you have to use the restroom, and make sure you're doing that, right? Like they just really were probably Pretty strict about it because they thought this is a whole bunch of people in here. We do not want everybody to get this. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, thank you for just bringing up that is such a reality. And even when you have a ton of training and you're doing really cool spiritual routines, um, just because things change, like schedules and circumstances. An environment, um, that's just really can be so tricky and something that I think trips everybody up in our experience of no matter what our difficulty is. So that's so understandable, but thank you for that. Well, speaking of just life situations and just what's gone on, ups and downs, highs and lows, just start, would you mind just telling us a little bit about, like, who is Spencer? Uh, what does that guy love? Like, what are you doing in school? Um, what's your family like? Where did you grow up? Uh, what kind of hobbies do you have? Stuff like that.
1: Definitely. Great. Um, so, I, I'm i 22. Um, I grew up in Mesa, Arizona. Um, I went and I served a mission in Ecuador for two years, from 2016 to 2018. An amazing experience. Um, I since then obviously come home. Not 2018 anymore. Uh, I uh, have been going to school basically ever since I got home. Um, every semester, every summer, uh, I am studying chemical engineering at BYU, and. Um, It's one of the longer majors. It quite often takes people five years to do. And so I I don't want to be here for five years. So I'm trying to get through that as fast as possible. I love chemical engineering. I love uh, math and science and learning about how the world works. So that's how I ended up there. Uh, Met a lot of good friends in that program as well. As far as hobbies go, um, I I enjoy dancing. it's another thing, another area of my life that is affected by the current world situation. Not not a lot of dances going on at the moment, but that's okay. Um, I also enjoy playing the ukulele. Um, that has, for a long while, been my passion project. I'll just go and put some time in practicing the ukulele and trying to um, improve myself in that area. Other than that uh i guess my hobby also used to be spending time with friends and just getting to know people but that is also limited in the current
0: <laughs> yeah totally uh and so um are you like oldest youngest in your family oh okay, yeah no my family mm-hmm.
1: oh i love my family um, really do and it's one of the challenges of college to not be near the, the family I grew up with, my bed, my great friends. Uh, I My parents love me and support me. They're great. Um, my, I have three siblings, an older sister who's married and has four kids. They live down in Arizona, so I, I get to see them kind of when I see my parents when I fly down. Um, I have an older brother who I've always looked up to. Uh, he's always been, you know, that example that a little brother has. Uh, he lives out in Texas with his wife and daughter. And there's me. And then a little sister. Uh, she's 16. It's rough because her birthday's coming up. So she's been 16 for a while. I feel like she should be 17. But no, she's 16. and uh, She... She lives still obviously with my parents and um, my, my little sister is so special to me. She is one of the reasons why I fight, one of the main reasons that I can, I can be the big brother that, that she knows I can be, that she wants me to be. She really looks up to me and I, like I understand, I look up to my older brother and I really want to be able to fulfill that, fulfill that role in her life and give her a good example of, of a man of God that she can know that she wants to find a guy like her older brother, hopefully, when she gets to that point. Hopefully, it's in a few years, because, you know, she's, she's not at that age at the moment, but I love my family, they're, they're why I fight. That's so
0: special wow i love that thank you for that and um it's so cool that you mentioned the example uh just you know and how incredible having people that you're connected to closely create so much power in our lives so that's such a blessing to feel so close to your family and so much love for them. And to, obviously, if you people could see Spencer's face, you'd know he was super serious about everything he just said. Uh, You could just feel the spirit and you could tell that he really meant those things. Um, Yeah, so good. If someone's listening that just is really struggling, just being the nicest them, just being the best them, And it's affecting other people in their family, you know? Uh, What would you say to someone like that? that, Or like, how to adjust or what to do? Uh, Because sometimes when you're a mode of being not so nice or not so happy or not so helpful, and it affecting everybody in your house, um, it's hard to adjust and decide you're going to stop that.
1: Yeah. One of the things that um, I've really been able to take away from the mentor training that we had, that I, I remember all the time. And we it comes up in this podcast the same idea, but remembering who the real enemies. Uh I think that often like when I live at home or, or when I I feel myself getting the, the feeling the angsty uh, kid feelings, or um, just all of the frustrations that come out when you're living with your family. We often tend to point fingers and say, "Hey, that's that's who I need to fight with." In our mind, we say, "Oh, yeah, no, that's who the battle is with." They're they're trying to encroach on my territory, on on what I'm doing. Uh, they they don't really care, but I think we lose sight of the the deep love and connection that family members can have with one another. We, There's something special there. And obviously every, every family is different and not there are families that have been broken or affected in that way, but I'd still say that there is a common shared experience that you have with the people in your family that you don't have with anybody else. And if we focus on that commonality, that similarity, I think it really tears down a lot of walls in that regard.
0: Yeah, it is such a strength to, to have people that love us and care for us and to know that we are reciprocating that, especially because, yeah, there's so many challenges in life. We need a home base, right? And so if you do have a family, and everybody does, and everybody's family looks different, like you said, Spencer, um, it might not be the most amazing scenario of all of our dreams come true, you know, our situation, but, but we as a member of that family can start little steps that just assist us to appreciate the dynamic that we do have and take the smallest steps to kind of um, see that's a blessing to me um, no matter what this family looks like it is blessing my life because I'm learning from it and I'm growing from it um, and yeah to just keep that under Heavenly Father's plan for us so but I just love that your story Um, has such a close family and something that's been such a strength to you, not just a strength ahead of you, someone to follow and really look up to with your older siblings, but also knowing how much that meant to you and then wanting to be someone to follow, someone to inspire, so cool. Wow, so Spencer, how, uh, you know, Tell us how you ran into life-changing services um, about your journey to, you know, self-mastery, where you thought, all right, I need a resource. And how did you find life-changing services? And what's your story like at the beginning?
1: Great, great. Um, so, um I struggled during high school with pornography and masturbation. I often, I had no resources. I had no one to turn to really. My bishop was there and that was great. Um, but it was really just on the the interviews that we had every two or three weeks. And um, you know what, what this, these habits and these addictions, Point us to do is to keep it to ourselves and say, "Oh no, you can you can take care of it," um, and so that's kind of what I did. I I wanted to do it by myself. I didn't I didn't know where to turn to, and that kind of meant to me that I I should do this alone. I had to like this is this is up to me. This isn't somebody else's problem. So towards the end of high school, I realized, wow, I. I don't. I, I don't want this in my life. Like from the from the very beginning, I already knew it was something wrong, and there was no part of me that uh, was disillusioned to that fact. But um, I eventually started including people, uh, telling some people that I I just needed their prayers when I was struggling. I remember specifically one one day when I. And temptation was hitting me so hard. It was at the end of my senior year, and i i did not I did not want to lose a battle that day. But I didn't know. I didn't have any training. I didn't know what to do. And so I remember texting one of my friends, my older brother, just saying, "Hey, I just really need you guys to pray for me right now." I was I was even with my family at that moment, uh, but I had not yet really gotten to the point where I could talk to them. My my parents, my little sister about it. And so all I remember really from that day is that I was able to make it through even though it was hard. Um, and that was that was really a monumental thing for me. Um, I was able to, to keep keep myself clean and, and repent and I went on a mission and that was all great. And I didn't really struggle with um, this problem too much on the mission. Obviously there are a few blips that happened uh, with just you know, your mind gets stressed out. And you you want to turn somewhere, but I had no lost battles during my mission. Uh, unfortunately, though, when when you're in uh, when you're on a mission, your your body kind of takes a toll. Uh, it it it's not not the easiest thing to do to continue day after day, um, especially when you don't have access, access to the best medical care, um, like I didn't in Ecuador. I, I love the country, but there, there is kind of a disparity in that regard. Um, and so I came home and my, my body was a little bit broken. I had some things I had to fix physically. And uh, I, was, I had um, a small surgery when I got home. And I was in my bed for a week and a half. And for any missionary to come home, what they want to do is they just want to keep going. They want, they're, they're going 100 miles an hour. To come home and have to be in my bed, in my old room where I fought all my old battles from before my mission for a week and a half, um, wasn't good for me. I started experiencing all the same temptations, the everything was coming back to me. And I remember specifically one day just sitting there on my floor, just crying, asking God, why, like how, how can I get through this? Um, I was convinced that my brain was wired wrong. Mm-hmm that I just, there was something that wasn't connected right, and that was how I had to live for the rest of my life. Um, and I just prayed, and I cried, and um, in that, in those few days, I was able to make it through. But one thing that I did end up coming across was the free ebook on uh, Facebook for, like, Dragons Did They Fight? Um, and I downloaded it, and I read it. I didn't talk to anybody about it, really. Um, there was nobody, nobody reached out, really, from Life Changing Services. But I read it, and I loved it, and I realized that while there was definitely a cost associated with um, life-changing services, Sons of Human, that it was a price I was willing to pay, so that I could I could have any chance of, of learning how to better deal with these urges, this, this battle that I had such a hard time fighting. Like if there was anything that could give me a leg up. I knew that I was obligated to take that opportunity. And so, um, again, I didn't really, I didn't really talk to anybody about it in my family. I did mention at some point to my mom that I was going to start a kind of program because my mom and my dad, they did know a little bit that through high school that I struggled with. They didn't know the extent at all, but, so I, I just kind of said, I, I need this. And at the beginning of 2019, I moved from Arizona, because I had been there since I had come home from my mission, I moved up to um, Provo. I had finished the book and I, the first week that I was here, I had my first meeting with a Sons of healing group. My clinician was Pete Benson um, and it, it really helped, definitely. And I I am so grateful for the things that I have learned. Um, the fact that I'm not the enemy. Uh, and say, Satan is out there and his, his whisperings are more real than we give him credit for or that we realize. And the principles of learning how to fight a chemically driven battle um, have really saved me. And I, I would never give up the fight. That's just who I am. I there, There's no part of me that would ever give in and say, oh yeah, like I, I'm i just going to accept these lost battles. I would never do that. I've never really struggled with that idea for too long. It has been tempting. but um, But what has really been changed is just uh, I know how to win. That's not something I knew
0: before. Mm, That is so phenomenal. It's the coolest thing just to hear the hope in that space of, I thought something was fundamentally wrong with me, right? To come home from my mission and to not have struggled with that on the mission, to fight hard to get on a mission, right? To just do what you have figured out so far and get on a mission but just to come home and then to feel like, what? You know, what? I did not, I do not, this is not where I wanna be. And just you describing the emotion behind that. And then your belief, there must be something wrong with my brain. I must be wired weird. Um, I think people who have a value system that's strong, like morally strong, Um, and know really significant truths about how to be morally strong and what that requires under Heavenly Father's plan. And then we act outside of those values. Um, And we don't want to. Like we tell ourselves, I am not going to do that because that does not bring me joy. Um, It's uh, really, when it's all said and done, makes me so miserable. It's not who I want to be, but yet you mentioning that it's such a chemically driven battle. Part of our human experience of the chemistry or the science behind why people do things that aren't very smart. Because there's a spiritual side of boy, I just really want to be good. I just really am going to pray and read and sing and go to church and do everything I can because that's how I'm going to make it all work out but if we don't consider our human experience has this whole chemical scientific side and so you mentioning it was like you're saying the spirit was there but the flesh was weak
1: yeah Definitely. and obviously since then like i i wish i could say i've been perfect since my mission that's not true um, I, I've lost my share of battles in the meantime. Um, but one of the things that I think I learned, I've learned from both church, um, and life changing services through Sons of Human, the mentor program that you and I went through. It's just that there's, there's so much value in just continuing to fight. Um, there's, there's so much strength that comes from somebody that's willing to stand up again and say, yeah, I know, I know I'm not perfect, but I I need to take more steps forward, and that's what I'm going to do.
0: That's excellent. Yeah, that's so, so good and so right. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing. Like, once we decide, because I don't know about you, but my experience in mortality sounds a lot like this in my head. When things get hard, you know, you probably should just take a break. Aren't you just tired? Um, You know, it's just maybe better if you just go a different direction because that's obviously not working anymore for you like it used to, you know? (laughs) And so so you entertain those things because you don't like doing things that you don't want to do right but um and so you end up uh instead of staying in the fight shifting gears um getting in a whole new environment um getting outside of the fight of being supported while you're in the fight and keeping it on a forefront of your mind that part of the battle is endurance, right? It isn't to be perfect at it once you have all the tools. Um, Why aren't you just swinging those tools perfectly now that you have them in your belt, right? Yeah. Like it's part of our human experience.
1: And so along with that, just thinking about the tools and using them the best we can. Um, one of the other really important tools that I picked up along the way from uh, Sons of Human is just having somebody to be accountable to. Like I, you hear, you hear about that, um, but it, it unfortunately took me a little bit longer than it should have to find. Somebody that could be that partner for me I, I went through a few other guys in the group and like I tried for to like create an accountability partner or some other friends but um, I knew in the back of my mind I think the spirit is good at telling us uh, who we can reach out to to be that accountability partner if we need to and then for me it was my mom the whole time like I knew that if I really was serious about being accountable, really serious about doing the best I can in this battle, I was going to include my mom, but I did not want to. I did not want her to know that I was struggling with this again after my mission. Mm-hmm. I did not want to be, cause I knew and I accepted that like I, there's a chance I might lose more battles and like, I'm not going to stop fighting, but I, I didn't even want her to know about relapsing, And that's, you know, that's the shame that comes with uh, this battle. But I eventually made that choice. And I will say that because she loves me so much, uh, I am amazed at how valuable of a team member and a tool that that relationship has become. I I tell her everything. I tell her any slip ups. I tell her when I get to a level three on the on the chemical scale, which I hope those of you who are listening, I hope you take a chance to learn about um, all the levels. But it really is helpful. Whenever I slip up in any way, I'll tell my mom immediately. I I'm a hundred percent accountable to her and I I tell her everything and that. That's really been kind of an indicator to me of of the endurance and staying in the fight. Um, Recovery is not a moment, it's not an event, it's a process, it's a lifestyle. And relapses can happen and that doesn't mean you're not striving to be better. Um, what is really an indicator of my effort to become better is is how accountable I'm being, um, how honest I'm being with my mom.
0: Wow, so that's kind of become a measuring stick for you. Like, ha- if I'm being a hundred percent accountable, really honest with the timing of when I'm accountable and how I'm accountable, that's a good sign to you that you're in the fight, like whole brain in the fight. Okay, excellent. And so I think that's so interesting because, I mean, not every mom on the planet would want to be an accountability partner, but every mom on the planet, almost every mom would want to be helpful. I mean, she she would care so deeply, uh, probably more so than a lot of people about whether you were accountable or not. Um, But then there's this space of, um, well, if he's not reaching out to me, do I, did you set up something with your mom that kind of looked like, um, here's what you do, mom, that I would ask you to do if i'm not being completely whole-brained and you can tell that i'm not in the fight 100% like cuz i think that just being a mom um who before my son was 18 like i was did a lot of accountability partnering uh but i just think it's really um so tricky that little space because agency's real and you have to honor it so to just think Um, you know what, it's okay if he's doing the spin thing, I don't need to be spinning over here too, because he's not being accountable, you know. How do you guys work that out?
1: Um, So when I first told my mom about it, that's a very good question. That space, space is so tricky. Um, And that really was one of the reasons, one of the, the things Satan was using to, for so long, not let me include my mom in the fight, um, just because uh, the, the space is so tricky to manage. And I, I love my mom. She is amazing. Obviously things are working out now, but I she worries a lot as mothers do. Um, and she definitely falls probably on the um, side of the spectrum of more worrying than necessary. Uh, and, you know, I, one of the things I said when I first asked her to kind of be with me on this uh, is, the, the, I said, this is my fight. Um, you, I'm asking you to be there so that I, I have somebody that I can own up to. Somebody that will help me to not just be inside my own brain, but what I don't need is somebody to swing the sword for me. Um, Mom, I I told my mom, like, this is not your fight. I I don't need you to go all out on this Um, because that, in the end, it's not going to make her happy. And it's not going to work for me. She lives in another state. She's in Arizona. So like she can't obviously monitor me every second of the day. She needs to. It goes back to the idea of I need to be responsible. I understand that while there are reasons for my failures or relapses or lost battles, that there are no excuses that I still need to own up to it. And that's not on her, it's not on anybody else, it's on me, but then also, you know, including her enough that I feel like there is somebody that I can turn to when I really need help and support.
0: Yeah, so good. And what's the level of accountability in like your, I know you mentioned reaching out to people to be accountable one on one with people in your group, right? In Pete's group, which, by the way, I love Pete Benson. Um, yeah, he's such a great guy. Really exactly. appreciate. It. I really appreciate him. And, um, but I just, what's the level of accountability just in the sense of human group? Because,
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that does help as well. I. Did not mention it. I often will reach out to, we as a group, we have a group chat um, with the guys who attend Pete's group here in Provo or Orem. I guess we meet in Orem. It's kind of the same city in my mind, at least. But um, I will reach out um, when I'm struggling. I'll just send something up saying, hey, you know, I. I know I'm not in a good place. Um, And people will text, people will message back. And we we all do that. Obviously in group, we have the accountability where we sit there and we we describe our previous week's battles. Um, For those of you who don't know, I guess we, um, at the beginning of each Sons of Helaman session, all of the guys will go around and say how they, fared this week compared to the weeks before that. Um, If they lost less battles or more battles, obviously you're always trying to lose less battles than you did the week before. Um, Or uh, you can obviously, you can't lose less battles than zero. So you you, you say zero and and after weeks and weeks of having zero lost battles, that's when you graduate. But together as a group, it's really nice to be able to see where other people are at um, and understand that, you, like, you can open up about your struggles. Like, I, in my experience, I graduated the program, and I had continued attending for a while, and it was, wasn't until, I don't know, nine months after I graduated that I lost my first battle in years. Um, and it was, it was hard to turn back to my group and say, yeah, this happened, but they were supportive in their understanding because, you know, they're all going through the exact same thing. Maybe not the exact same thing. I need to be careful with that wording, but they are all going through the same battle and they understand very deeply the the struggle that it is to be accountable and to continue to fight.
0: Yeah, so good. Yeah, and it's a I don't know, just the dynamic of knowing that other people are in the fight. that are really good people. Right? Yeah. yeah. They're just really good people. It kind of helps you to put in a perspective that um, difficult things happen to really good people. Yeah. And I want to be a really good people. Like, I really want to be a good person. And that's my goal. And I'm sure that... It's, like you said, the adversary when we don't have a team or light shown on the battle with accountability and whether it's with a group or an individual, but also um, that level of training that you mentioned, you know, that you didn't understand the scientific training behind a chemical battle. You know, I just think, yeah, yeah. If we don't have a team, like literally the acronym for team in the lessons of, you know, the eternal warrior principles and how, I don't know if they say this often in the Sons of Piano groups, but it's together, everyone achieves more, you know, because I just think um, one of the things that Maurice has said and is in his writings underneath the eternal warrior principle of a team is, we often think that we need to be the one soldier, right? The one soldier that runs into the jungle of Vietnam all by himself. And then the very next sentence says, stupid soldier. (laughs) Like That is not a good idea, because we're better, we're a better us, when we're stronger in numbers and not quite being
1: isolated. We, you know, we are not expected to go through this life alone. Um, I think one of the core, one of the core blessings and strengths of the atonement is that, that idea of He is there for us. So we don't have to be alone. And I think when we, when I realized that at least I, I kinda, I realized just how much um, that idea of being alone or being on a team that, that conflicts and how that is an, an eternal principle and struggle. Uh, we, our goal is to do our best to include Christ in our lives and on our team. Um, And we can do that through a variety of means, but also through including other people in our lives as
0: well. Yeah. It's such a true principle, and you know it's so true when you consider the doctrine of Christ, right? When you consider that Heavenly Father's plan is for our salvation, for our happiness, for us to be successful. But there's only one way to be successful, and it is through jesus christ helping us work heavenly father's plan and so understanding his doctrine of faith repentance baptism um, enduring to the end you know just the simple you know principles of the gospel but understanding that um you know how president nelson has taught us recently that you know, repentance is something we do with joy and often daily uh, because it's part of the doctrine of Christ. Like, we absolutely cannot do this without a team. And the adversary, when we're struggling, kind of blinds us from our team Jesus. Definitely. And that's one of the strengths, too, I think, When you are connected to a really strong, powerful team of people with amazing ethics of, I'm not quitting this fight, I know who the real enemy is, it awakens this um, sunshine that disperses the fog that um, that says, you know, there's Jesus, he was there all along. You know, but because Satan is so good at being an enemy in my dark places, I, I didn't use that accountability with Jesus. And so that's another powerful thing I've noticed is I'm a much better repenter, a much better um, honest disciple of Christ before him if I stay in the fight with other women who also care about those things and people like you Spencer who are so inspiring to me that I just think oh that totally fortifies my reason for fighting and my desire to be closer to Christ because you're doing that so cool so Spencer in closing I want you to just uh, consider someone who's in the struggle of the darkest places you've been in. What? What's something you might share with them? And then we're going to go to the Q one.
1: Great. Uh, no. Someone who's in. In the thralls of, of darkness is just in the depth of it. I don't give up. No, I, I can't say that enough. Christ and God, our Father, they only expect effort. That's really what they want from us and what they ask. That's what President Nelson told us in the, in the last conference. Um, but in April of 2020 but I, to, to you specifically, if you're listening to this and you are struggling, please don't do it alone and don't give up. Find people to turn to. There's so much strength that comes when you're open about it and when you can tear aside that veil of shame that we cast over ourselves people struggle with things it's it's human your struggles aren't the same as everyone else's so don't compare yourself there is hope there is there is a reality in your future where you can be full of light you can be free and winning battles and on top of things. And it might take time. Be patient with yourself, but don't lose hope of that reality and that idea. Please don't give up.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Spencer. And yeah, tell us, why are you fighting? And why don't you just give up?
1: I'm fighting because I know my life is so much better when I have the spirit, and that is such a better feeling than anything that any lost battle could give me. I fight because I want to be the older brother that my little sister needs in this world. I need to be the example of a good priesthood holder. I fight because I love giving priest of blessings. I love being able to, to represent God. It's such a privilege in that way. If I fight so I can take the sacrament. Because there's oh, there are a few things I hate more than than having to turn down the sacrament or turn down somebody who asks for a priest of blessing. I hate that. I hate losing battles. And on top of it all, I know that one day I will I will be face to face with Christ. I will have the opportunity to walk up to him or to walk away. Physically. And I I want to be able to just run to him in that moment. Just run straight for him without hesitation. Without pausing and having to think, oh, did I was I really doing well? Was I where I need to be? I just, I, without reservation, and that's the kind of life that I want to lead. The real battle is is keeping the spirit in our lives. It's so much more fundamental than than masturbation or pornography. That's what it really boils down to. And I love, I love the fight. I, I am grateful for my experiences. But I, I fight so that I can, so that I can run to.
0: Oh, that is so well said. I fight so that I can run to Christ. It's excellent. Thank you so much, Spencer. Thanks for your service to all of us today. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Karen. I, I really appreciate the friend and the person that you are and all that you do. And I love this podcast. I love listening to it. And Thank you.